Got nine minutes to maximize your travel and casino experience? Welcome to Zorkcast, powered by Travel Zork, helping you travel smarter, gamble smarter, and maximize your adventures. From airline miles and hotel points to living in the lap of luxury in a Las Vegas casino, you'll find all the knowledge you need to travel in style. Brought to you in nine minutes or less. Now, please welcome the host of Zorkcast, Michael Mason Traeger. Hello, this is Michael, and welcome back to ZorkCast. Today, we have a huge episode. It's going to be our, a really amazing guest. It's Adam, the travel fanboy, previously known as Vegas Fanboy. I don't know how many of you people realize, but I have been working for years to get him on ZorkCast, and it's finally happened. So, Adam, welcome. Yes. <laughs> Turns out all you had to do was send me a message and then I'd be on. It was that little thing that you forgot to do. Well, no, but I sent you a couple of emails and you never responded to them. I mean, did they go into your junk folder? No, they went into my this is longer than war and peace folder, so I'm not going to read it. <laughs> well, you know, I've actually been working on my email on making shorter emails. I'm trying. I'm almost there. I have my average email is down to about about 700 words now. So it's, it's not bad at all. <laughs> that's nice. Yeah, that's you can just make them full on blog posts. Well, we'll see. I mean, hey, everyone has their little little things. So mm-hmm. Vegas fanboy, I always like whenever I think of you and I look at what you're posting, I always comes into my mind. You know, I'm always thinking about Vegas fanboy. And then I'm like, no, no, he's he's travel fanboy now. <laughs> so let's talk about this. Is this like a it's an evolution? Is that what is it an evolution from Vegas fanboy to travel fanboy? Did it just come about or uh, what happened here? Like just I'm sort of curious. Yeah, you know, more of it was behind the scenes than kind of forward facing, if you will, where my wife was incredibly busy for the five years we lived in Detroit. She was working a lot and she basically was really cool and said, hey, you know, do what you have to do. I'm busy. I'm working. Just travel as much as you want. And of course, I love traveling to Vegas. So that's pretty much where I had most of my, you know, solo vacations, if you will. And so, you know, I was always looking at deals and maximizing value when it came to Vegas. So it just made sense to put that information out there that I was gathering and I was thinking about. So that's where kind of Vegas fanboy or the genesis for Vegas fanboy was. Now that she's not so much less busy, uh, but she's got a little bit more time to travel. And so, you know, a lot of our vacations are together and she very famously does not like Las Vegas at all. And so I, I realized that my Vegas trips are going to be very, very few and far between. And so making that transition of saying, hey, I loved researching deals and maximizing value in Vegas. I think I could take those skills and do it in a more broader sense, wherever, you know, fan wife and I are going to end up traveling to. And that's kind of how that uh, kind of very natural progression happened. But, you know, I, I think for a lot of people, it's like, whoa, 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 why is he all of a sudden stopping? It seemed very sudden. But, uh, you know, as our lives transitioned and progressed, it was it was a very sudden shift for her, you know, in her working hours. So it just it was more natural for us behind the scenes. And I think people realized. Yeah, no, that's really cool. And as you know, I'm into all all things travel. I think mm-hmm. what's sort of hard in the Vegas community is that people, there are so many people that are, for lack of a better term, obsessive about Las Vegas. They just love, and like literally I would say, and I don't think it's anything bad about this. I mean, they just, they're more than happy to just read about Las Vegas 
all yeah. the time. And everyone only has so much bandwidth and so much time to read about other things. So I think sometimes maybe that shift where we're like, oh my goodness, he's he's not just going to be talking about Vegas, but I love Vegas. I want Vegas 24 hours a day. Right. So maybe that that's probably was a little bit of the shock that people got. I really, yeah. it was interesting when you were talking about fan wife. My wife is not exactly thrilled with with Vegas. And so vast majority of my trips have been solo trips to Vegas. Mm -hmm. And I am always a little bit jealous of those people who have relationships like couples where they both love going to Vegas. And I'm like, wow, that's like, I'm like, how did you, how did you manage that? Because I'm like, that is not my life at all, which is, which is fine. So I probably like you embraced these solo trips, which were so special to me for so Mm -hmm. many years. Yeah. And, you know, what I I like doing that, too. And I I was recently made a mention, Taylor and Tara, good friends of the show, talked about one thing they liked about solo trips. And I didn't even realize I was doing it was it acted as like a a research vessel for me. And that's what they say. It happens to them as well, where, you know, I get to go out to Vegas and do all these things. And occasionally my wife does go to Vegas, sometimes for a conference, sometimes just because, you know, I have family out there. And so being able to know the city and kind of the ins and outs and say, okay. You know, she's only here for 48 hours. I'm going to take her to these four or five things, which I absolutely know she will enjoy and not having her try to explore the city with me, just making sure that she's having the best time possible in a city that she's not, you know, overly excited about. Yeah, no, it's it makes a lot of sense. I think also a little bit of the other angle of it is, you know, gamblers versus non-gamblers. Like, I think, you know, when I'm wandering around a casino alone, like, you sort of don't know what the night will bring. Maybe you'll Mm -hmm. find the table that you want to sit down at. Maybe you won't. Maybe the situation will be pretty decent and you'll want to play a little bit longer. Maybe you won't and you'll want to go, like, in Vegas to another property. But, I mean, you could very well, like, for me, I could wind up at a Baccarat table for 10 hours. Or I could wind up at a couple different tables. And it's so easy to do that when it's a solo trip, right? Especially like for for me, the most difficult part is you feel a little bad because, you know, you get on this great table and you're playing Baccarat and the next thing you know, you get back to the room at like seven in the morning. You're like ready to go to bed. And then you're, you know, your wife is like, oh, where are we going for brunch today? And you're like, where are you going for brunch? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So I think that's sort of makes it so special to me, like those solo trips is that you have the flexibility where you don't have to worry about any of that, you know, and you Mm -hmm. can just, for me, it's like, it's like, I don't know what my plan is. I don't know what the gambling is going to turn into. And it could turn into me being up all night, or it could turn into me going to sleep at one in the morning, or it could turn into me wandering around circus circus, taking pictures at three in the morning. Cause I, I'm fascinated with circus circus on, on a lot of different levels. Mm -hmm. It's, I know it's strange. Most people don't know, (laughs) but, uh, it's just really cool. So I, I totally get it. So when we look at travel, so now that you're taking this evolution and become travel fanboy, mm-hmm. what is it that really excites travel fanboy? Is it travel loyalty? Is it just travel? Is it a mixture? Is there something where you're like, oh, I just love this topic so much? Yeah, you know, I think it's very similar to how I approached Vegas. I mean, Vegas is a unique beast in that it's it's such an exciting, vibrant city. But to me, it was like the researching and figuring out how can I have a really good experience, somewhat elevated experience in terms of kind of the hospitality that I'm going to enjoy, whether it's a room, it's a flight, whatever, and trying to get the best deal possible. And I'm no expert at all in that. And I said that even when I was doing the Vegas stuff, but really going through that planning process, trying to understand the different programs is really, really exciting for me. 
mostly because I can then show that to and, and help my wife experience that kind of as well, right? So seeing the joy on her face when she was able to fly in business class for the first time, that was like, that was an amazing experience to be able to share with her. And it was, you know, all through just a little bit of research and a little bit of know-how. And so just, you know, kind of having that elevated experience is probably the most exciting thing for me. I think my Vegas fanboy slogan was like, have a top shelf trip at a happy hour price. And I definitely think that's something that I try to do uh, in the general travel sphere as well. That's awesome. And I, I love hearing those stories. Are you very focused? Like, how do you deal with, I mean, I, I, to me, maybe a little bit of a gripe sometimes. There's a little bit too much focus on like ultra aspirational travel. Right. And I think some of that, it's okay. Like, I, I get it, but like, like people are so obsessive about like how much, how much value they get out of their points. And mm-hmm. to me, it's sort of a trade off between something that you want to do or you and yep. your partner wants to do and the value of your points. It's not like, Oh, I'm getting seven cents per point going. Yeah. But who the hell wants to go there? Like nobody right, wants right. to go like, uh, or, right. or it's like, or I don't want to go out of my, or, or it's a city I, I don't, or something I'm not interested in. I don't want to say anything specifically because I don't want to like, it's, that's not the point of it. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but who cares? I would rather get a little bit less value and experience what we want to experience. And I, right. I sort of feel that you're probably a little bit like that with the, mm-hmm. with the balance on that. Yeah. You know, and it's, I think you, you, you said it really well is that that's just something I don't focus on because there's so much going into this hobby. There's just so much that can confuse people and even me. And that's taking it to that level of saying, I'm only going to use my points for a certain value proposition, right? I'm only going to use my points if they're 1.7 points a piece, two cents a piece, whatever it is. You could be missing out on some really fun opportunities or just doing what very simply makes you happy. I think I had a tweet a couple of months ago. It was like, listen, if you want to buy an iPad with your points, I really don't care. If that's going to make you happy, then buy your damn iPad and enjoy your flight, you know, to wherever it is that you're going. Uh, but, you know, constantly focusing on a strict value proposition takes the fun out of it. It's supposed to be fun. Listen, if you want to go to Branson and it's going to cost you 0.5 cents per point, right? That's not a great value, but if you're going to have fun, whatever, go and have fun. I don't care if you're traveling in a nice suite on the way to Qatar or going to, you know, uh, Wisconsin Dells, as long as you're doing what you want and having fun with it, you'll be able to earn more points anyway. So just for me, I just don't focus on it. I'm totally with you on that. And I, I'm often, I'm a little critical of some of that, you know, especially when people just look at the aspirational value, because a big example that I give, and I was actually talking I was able to have a nice, uh, Spencer Howard and I spent some time in London mm. a couple nights ago and we He's were just guy. hanging out. Yeah. Apps amazing. And I was talking, you know, a lot of redemptions, you know, I think are not really that good for a lot of people if they don't mm-hmm. do luxury travel point. In right. fact, like redeeming for a Ritz property, even if you have status with Marriott, you get none of the status benefits. And when you redeem for a Ritz property, you, it never includes breakfast. It never includes anything like that. And if you go to a resort that's sort of isolated, like there's a Ritz in Tenerife. Well, you know what the problem is? Yeah, you've done this redemption and you have these points and maybe you got a bunch of these points you transferred over from credit card or stuff, but then the stuff, everything at those properties is so expensive. So it becomes, and if it's a slightly isolated property, it becomes a pain to like leave the property for breakfast. So then you're stuck paying, you know, equivalent to 40 or $50 per person for breakfast. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, when you stay at all of the things at a lot of those properties, while I love posh and I joke with my friend Michelle of turning left for less. Some of it is, you know, it's like, do you really want to pay $20 a drink? 
at right. the bar. Like, do, do you really, or are, is the property situated where you can walk out the door and go other places? Like my other counter to that is like, if you redeem for the intercontinental Barclay in New York, well, you don't have to eat breakfast there. There are a million places you walk out the door and there are mm-hmm. always all these delis and places to get breakfast. So that's not a bad thing to do. But I always often say to people, you have to think about that because some of the f- most fun I've had are at the lower end properties. We stayed at a super like nifty, like it wasn't a Kimpton. It was another one in the IHG brand in Barcelona. Right. And the property was super cute and it was fun. And they had like really cheap to me, what I thought was really cool. They had like really cheap room service. So if you want to order a glass of wine or a coffee, it was like two euros. I was like, this is awesome. You can actually <laughs> order something in your room, sit on the terrace. They're not going to rip you off. I was like, this was so, it was just. You know, sometimes you just have to think about like, do you really want to stay? Yeah, I know you're getting a lot of value for your points, but do you really want to stay at a property that's a thousand dollars a night? I mean, are you going to feel comfortable with that? And right. do you really want to stay somewhere where you don't even want to get a drink in a lobby because a Coke is literally like the Park Hyatt, like right? The Park Hyatt in Paris, a mm-hmm. Coke in the lobby is like $15. <laughs> so I mean, like, so do you yeah. really want to stay somewhere where if you like felt like you want to grab a Coke in a lobby that you're like, oh, Oh my goodness, I can't do that. So it's it's interesting. Uh, yeah, you know, some on- of those. Oh, say I was going to say some of those seemingly boring redemptions that really can be really fun. Like we stayed at a Hyatt house in Anaheim. It was inexpensive. It wasn't, you know, it's not an elaborate property. It's not ostentatious, but it was nice. We got free breakfast, you know, and then we could walk right to the, you know, Disneyland. And it was a really good redemption. It wasn't a truly maximized value redemption, but it was really nice. And I always remember that stay just for how pleasant of an experience it was. Yeah. And that's smart. You know, I mean, and, and I think that's, I think everything has more nuance. There are more, Mm -hmm. it's more than just the value you get for the points. It's a matter of staying where you want to stay, having it be convenient, having it be the type of property that, that, that works with, you know, the type of trip that you're taking. So it's interesting stuff. And this is a good lead in on, because we talk about travel bloggers and like, you know, people talking (laughs) about outsized redemptions. So I'm sure there are a couple of things that irritate you in the travel blogosphere or the travel influencer world. I mean, of course, you're a huge influencer. So of course, of yes. course I, I, I know. Yeah. So I mean, and I have my little quirk and things that irritate me. So like off the top of your head, like what's what's annoying you these days? Such so it's like one of your emails. That's how long this list is. You know, for me, well, the one big gripe that I have is that at times it it can just be incredibly boring out there where I'm like, this is, and I, Richard Kerr and I were talking about this before too. We're like, this is for some people, the most excitement they'll have in a given year, right? Going on vacation, talking about travel. There's an abundance of people that maybe take one, two trips a year. They're saving up for it. And the way that some bloggers talk about it, where it's like, it's like, I mean, it is their job at times, but don't make it sound like it's your job. Like, oh yeah, here's how you do a redemption for a Q suite. And you just do this. I'm like, this is one of the most amazing in-air experiences that you can have. And you're talking about it like it's just, you know, a very run of the mill thing. And so I think that's what I've always tried to do is try and be as excitable as I can be about this because it is fun. Even if it's a little trip somewhere, like going to Milwaukee from Chicago, make it fun and have excitement about it. But I think my biggest gripe is the incessant complaining about program devaluations. And I think there are a lot of uh, reasonable takes on devaluations, but it's something that gets old very quickly, especially, and I don't want to get too controversial, but from people who manufacture spent, where I feel like we're pumping all of these points into this kind of loyalty economy. 
it's going to make sense that devaluations are going to happen. That's just what happens in any economy, whether it's a loyalty economy or, you know, any other economy in the world. And so I think just the constant complaining about it gets really old for me. You know, I hear you and I'll take that a bit further. And this is something I was talking about last week. You know, at the end of the day, yes, I agree. Like when, when Marriott changes something from a 60,000 point redemption to an 80,000, and I'm just saying that off the top of my head, sure. that's, that's irritating for sure. It's also irritating when uh, they don't give a lot of notice or it seems like they're blocking the inventory, you know, when they do those changes and then they yep. change to 80,000 points. I get it. And I know there's so much outrage in the blogger community, but I will often say, and it's sort of funny because I, I'm always like sort of mystified by it. It's like, you know, the, the outrage and they think like, you know, we're going to make, we're going to get these companies to realize what they're doing wrong. And I'm like, I hate to, I, I support your efforts as if I support anybody's efforts and what they're doing. But I'm like, you know what? They've got a much bigger picture here. You know, right. like at the end of the day, They've got metrics and data that they're looking mm -hmm. at as far as a successful company and what they've done with Bonvoy. And even though there have been a ton of mistakes and a ton of problems, and I watched a similar kind of thing slightly in parallel with all of the things that British Airways has gone through. You know what? They have, they have numbers that they're hit trying to hit. A lot of that has to do with revenue occupancy at these mm -hmm. hotels yeah. has to do with, you know, the franchisees being happy, everyone doing it. And at the end of the day, nobody cares. Like I, I hate <laughs> to say it, but I mean, it isn't, that is not going to make or break it. What's going to make or break it are their corporate contracts and their mm -hmm. revenue rooms and how much they're booking and all the people yeah. and the travel package deals that they're coordinating and the alliances and all of that kind of stuff. And at the end of the day, if those hotels have, if the average daily room rate goes up for those hotels and the occupancy is high, then they're successful. And I know right. that's oversimplifying it, but they're not, you know, and it's probably not going to, the world is not going to end over, over stuff. And I've gone through this with Delta before and other things. I said there, it's a different kind of thing. And I, mm -hmm. it's just, uh, there's a big picture there. And I think I agree with you. I think it's okay to complain about it, but sometimes you just, you just need to move on. Or as I often say, we live in the future, not in the past. <laughs> right. And uh, recognize that some of us are actually their worst customers. And if we all, if everyone was doing what we're doing, then we wouldn't be able to stay at some of these beautiful properties as well. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I floated a, I floated an idea years and years and years ago. I literally thought people were going to hunt me down. Like I like, <laughs> like visions of people with like, you know, like swords coming after me. But I, I came up with the idea on flyer talk a long, many, many years ago. And I said, you know, if for top tier in a program at that point, it was the Northwest program and I was Northwest platinum. And I said, you know, only for top tier, only for platinum, not for gold and silver, there should be a requirement. And there's an old thread on flyer talking this. I got to find it. It's in the old buried Northwest forum. <laughs> I said, there should be a requirement for how much you spend because there's no way you should be top tier and not spend, you know, X amount. Because back then, if you understood the game well enough, you right. could make Northwest Platinum for a, a under $3,000, like for $2,900. And I said, that means that you can't be one of the most valuable customers because Platinum was the highest tier if you only spend $2,900 a year. And I said, mm -hmm. and I'm in that category 
you know, but I'm just saying, like, let's be real here. You can't right. really. And oh, my goodness, people are like, how could you say this? And I'm just like, well, if you're Shoot supposed us. to be the top tier, the best customer, of course, many years later, Delta goes and does the dollar requirement. And they, well, yep. I was like, oh, my God, you know, it's like this is like my prediction seven years ago that this was going to happen. And I think part of it comes out of because it's not sustainable. It's not right. sustainable to have that stuff, you know, yep. to, well. It is sustainable. I mean, I don't believe you just go after the outliers. Just like I actually made an interesting comparison parallel with I was talking to Spencer Howard about this. I don't believe that the people who are the true travel hackers are really causing that much of a problem. You know, I mean, sometimes like the credit cards with the 524, they're just putting too much efforts into that the same way that casinos put too much into an effort into like getting rid of like skilled blackjack players. Right. 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 <laughs> it's like, it's not worth the effort because there are so few that can actually pull it off. So just right. concentrate on everything. But anyway, that's just one of my opinions. Yeah. No, and I think so, it's very similar to what you and Eric were talking about recently about the, the idea that the pit will know, you know, if you have a certain status through, you know, a match or through legitimate spend in a casino, casino, that doesn't bother me because there are people in a casino and I'll have, you know, the same diamond status as, as a bunch of other people through the status match. There are people in that casino that are worth more to the casino than I am just on a dollar per dollar basis. That's okay with me. And it's okay with me if they get different benefits than I get. Maybe I'm just speaking for myself here, but I recognize that, yeah, I kind of manufactured this status through, you know, a couple little hoops that I had to jump through and that it's okay for me not to get the same benefits that someone else will. I expect to be treated the same way, but to get certain perks and rewards? No, absolutely not. It, it wouldn't be fair and it might not be sustainable for some of these uh, companies. No, no, you're absolutely right. And I've often said that. I think sometimes, you know, one of the things I say with casinos is be aware of your value. Mm -hmm. You should just be aware of your value. I mean, not good, not bad, but you should just, right. and it's okay. And I think, you know, some of the changes that they made with, you know, having to use points for lounge access and things like that with Diamond. Remember Diamond, we used to get unlimited lounge access. I mean, that was not right. sustainable. Mm -hmm. You could make Diamond, which was not that hard. And well, now it's even easier. Yeah. And then you could use the lounge for the rest of the year. How can that, that's not really a good business model. Now, what I do argue about is I think companies should be more creative in how they they do this. Like they recently devalued seven star benefits so that you used to get, I think, three guests for the lounge of the seven star lounge in Atlantic City. And now you can yep. only get one guest. To me, that's not a good idea. What you should do is you should create a bucket of guesting. So maybe you get 10 guest pass a month, you sure. know, and that's it. And then you can use it. And if you want to bring to me, that's when it becomes really smart. So if I want to bring five of my friends at once, mm -hmm. that's great. You know, I have a certain amount of guests that I can bring in a month and that's it. You know, I can always go into the lounge, but I have so many guest points in like a separate bucket to use. And that's to me really nice because there's the time where maybe you do want to have an extra friend and you don't want to beg for it. And you could just do that based on the program. Right. And everybody has a certain amount of guests as opposed to like these general policies, like you always get three guests. Well, that could be taken advantage of. So sort of take something away, but give something back. Let somebody sure. bring five friends if they want to, but limit the total number of guests for the month. I think that could sort of be a win-win scenario. Maybe, you know, some people won't agree with that, but I, I would like to see the programs be more creative with that kind of thing. 
Yeah, no, I mean, and that's kind of that tried and true behavioral economic theory is that, you know, anytime you take something away from someone, it hurts them exponentially more than if you give them something. And especially for these top tier status holders, I mean, you really have to think carefully about taking things away from them because losses hurt twice as much as gains feel good. And we've heard, I mean, you know, people that have said, you know, I'm pretty much done with Caesars now because of this. It could be quite impactful. No, absolutely. Well, this has been amazing. And of course, I'm running over time again, which has been a common theme of the show. So travel fanboy, where can people find you? You can find me writing occasionally. I guess that's one of my other travel blogger gripes is that uh, I only write when the the mood strikes, when I feel I have something impactful to say or share. So at travelfanboy.com, but I pretty much make a fool of myself daily on Twitter at travelfanboy. That's where you can find me as well. That's fabulous. Well, thank you. And I hope you'll come back on the show one more time sometime. You think I can, do I have to create, you have an assistant, right? Because you are a real influencer. So maybe, so I I should probably reach out to your assistant and see if I can book you for six months from now or something like that. Yes. I require two months in advance and two forms of ID. So just keep that in mind. Okay. Well, we're, we're all set there. Well, thank you again for being on Zorkast. Until next time. You've reached the end of your stay with us on this episode, but we encourage you to visit our website for more resources at TravelZork.com and to continue the conversation on Twitter and Instagram at TravelZork and Facebook.com slash TravelZork. Travel smarter, gamble smarter, and maximize your adventures right here on ZorkCast. Until next time, good luck.